And the Oscar goes and to... And the Oscar goes and the Oscar to... Goes to. My only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender. Fasten your seat. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer. Yeah. All real man. Love is, is love. too weak a word. Stay back. I love you. I love you. I love you. I did as you Don't laugh! If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it and validate it. Remember that you told me? It's time, Robbie. Welcome to the next Best Picture podcast. And the Oscar goes to Green Book. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 156 of the Next Best Picture podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia. Time of recording, 11.21 a.m. on August 18th, 2019. Here to join me today, I've got Michael Schwartz. Hello, everyone. Casey Lee Clark. Hello. Lauren LaMagna. Hello, everybody. Bianca Gardner. Hey there. And Dan Bayer. Good morning, everybody. All right. So for this week, it is wall-to-wall trailers. We are going to be discussing the trailers for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight movies this week. Some foreign language film contenders, some independent film contenders, some Oscar contenders, commercial contenders. I don't know why I keep saying contenders. They're just movies, people. Mm -hmm. All right. (laughs) But we're going to be talking about them here this week. We've got a lot of stuff to look forward to, obviously, in regards to the fall film festivals. I mean, this seems to be a topic every single week. New developments, (laughs) new things happening in terms of the anticipation, as well as our current Oscar predictions and where things lie with that. And a lot of that is influenced by the trailers that tend to So we're going to be talking about a couple of very, very big ones this week here. First and foremost, though, before we get into it, I want to ask everyone, as we usually do, Bianca, let's start with you. What did you catch up on this week at the movie theater? Um, So I went and finally saw uh, Quentin Tarantino's um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Mm. which only came out this week in in the UK so uh yeah I caught that and uh I'm still processing it at the moment I did really enjoy the film but I feel like I need to go and revisit again to see whether I love it uh but there's there's so much to to love about it uh it's just so you know visually it's beautiful but for me there was something about the story which I just wanted more Mm -hmm. that's fair I get that yeah me too our fans also, you know, <laughs> seem to, uh, you know, they have their opinions as well. <laughs> All righty. Uh, Casey, what about you? Yeah, I saw Blinded by the Light this week, and you can check out my review for that on the site. And I, I fell in love with it. And it might be one of those things where it's a little cheesy at times, but it, it just made me feel so great. And, like, I still feel like I'm on that high from the movie. I came home listening to born to run and like the second I shut my door to my apartment like just started singing and it was like I don't know it just put me in a great mood the last few days and I I just felt like I had such a great time at theater and like I said in my review there's also I think things to back it up in there and if people don't like it I understand but I don't know I think I have the mindset if people can like the greatest showman I can have this (laughs) (laughs) 
like, I'm like, I can't feel that bad. Like, <laughs> I've been waiting since Sundance for people to finally check out this movie. I knew as soon as I saw it that it was going to be uh, probably. I love that this is like a standard now that we compare things to, but it, I, I really thought it was going to be like the Sing Street of this year. Yeah. And in many ways, I think it has been for everyone that has seen it. One of the best things about it is that, you know, even if you're not necessarily like the biggest Bruce Springsteen fan in the world, I do think that there is still a takeaway from this movie in a positive manner, um, whether it's his music or if it's just a story that you're following of this, you know, young Pakistani boy who changes uh, the course of his uh, future forever based upon uh, the lyrics of Bruce Springsteen. It's it's cheesy, overly sentimental, but damn it if it doesn't work. It really, really works. <laughs> yeah, it's really charming, and I like that. So we'll have a podcast review of that movie later on this week. Moving on, though, from Casey. Next up, we're going to go to Lauren. Lauren, what did you catch up on this week? Last week was pretty busy for me, so I unfortunately didn't get a chance to go to the movie theaters, but I am planning on catching... Where'd you go, Bernadette and Good Boys early this week? So, like, Monday and Tuesday, I'm going to catch up. Alrighty. Them. Cool. Awesome. Hey, you got plans, you know? That's all that matters. <laughs> Dan, what about yourself? Uh, well, I have had a couple of weeks where I have not had the ability to see anything recent. Um, so, yesterday, I went and did a double feature at the movies. I saw Blinded by the Light since Casey was so high on it. And I totally agree uh with everything she said there have been and will be few scenes in the movies this year that give me as much joy as the scene where the main character where he like basically serenades the girl that he likes but He's he has headphones on and listening to his Walkman, and no one else can hear the music, but he's just singing to her. Yeah, mm-hmm. and in the um, in the park or this town square or whatever it is, and uh, I have I have been a devotee of Gurinder Chadas since Bennett like Beckham, and I don't think she's hardly ever stepped placed a foot wrong, and this is just another. Further proof that she knows what she's doing as a director, and just the cast is great. The I'm not even the biggest Bruce Springsteen fan, but like they use the music, I think, really, really well. And just to have like that kind of movie right now about things that can unite people across, you know, all different types of cultural, socioeconomic, political barriers, I think is really important. And this movie is like so much fun (laughs) and so charming. And the fact that it's based on a true story, you know, I think that really sort of seals the deal. Mm -hmm. And I think it helps it feel more like, I think that helps it connect more, even if it's not, even if it is kind of cheesy, but because it's real, like there's that sense underneath it all of like, this is an actual thing and you know, there are actual people involved and it gets that respect, I think for all the characters. Um, And then after that, I finally saw loose, which I, Oh, Holy fuck. Um, It has that effect on people. (laughs) I mean, it, it, (laughs) I can see why people don't, like it because it's very much a movie that is sort of it's not it's one of those movies that is more about the each audience member's reaction to it 
than it is about what actually happens in the movie itself. Um, it's very much like a litmus test or Rorschach test or, you know, like, what did you see in this movie sort of thing? Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's very self-conscious about that, I think. Um, and I can see why people don't like it, but I was, I was riveted from first frame to last. I thought it was incredibly well done. That score is tremendous. Um, the main theme in this movie is just like, oh, like that's half the movie's impact right there. It's just that that main theme. Um, and yeah, the performances, like, oh my God, like Octavia Spencer, I fucking knew you had this in you. <laughs> yeah. Years. And she's been asked to do so little and for her to get a part that this meaty and just, oh, she sinks her teeth into it. And it's so good. It's so good. And it's so nice to see Naomi Watts back. And on top four, and like, oh, when Naomi Watts said that, <laughs> I have not heard a gasp like that in the movie theater <laughs> in a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know a scene you're talking about that moment. Uh, yeah. The, the conference, the parents. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. The whole audience. Was <gasps> it was so well done. So good. So good. It's so, so good. Like, Please go see this movie. I mean, it, it's been playing in New York for, I think, like about a month now. And No, only my, two weeks. It only opened in early August. Only two weeks? Yeah, early yeah. August. It was three. Um, oh, well. Well, I mean, like, the, the, the screening was still packed. My point. Still Good. So, like, if, if and when this movie opens near you, go see it because it, it's so well done. It's so well done. Nice. All right. Michael? Yeah, so I haven't seen anything this week. <laughs> uh, hey, it happens. I think I might catch up with uh, Where Do You Go Bernadette this coming week just because I like Cape Blanchett so much. But that's hardly playing around here. It's only in a handful of theaters. It seems like Annapurna, we know about their financial trouble. So it seems like they're being very conservative about how they rolled this out. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, I know we just talked about Blinded by the Light. I may check it out. Uh, when Matt compared it to, string, to Sing Street, I am that one person who did not like Sing Street. So <laughs> not exactly a ring endorsement, but we'll see. What? I do like Bruce Springsteen. You're a fucking animal. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> like, who does not like <laughs> Sing Street? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I didn't hate it. I didn't walk out of there and give it like a two on the MVP scale. It was just, you know. It was aggressively mediocre in my mind. Oh my okay. god! Right. We need to move on to what I saw this week oh because god. this cannot last. <laughs> but I'll, hopefully, I like this more. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, so I saw Good Boys, uh, which is funny. You know, I it, it it literally is super bad, but with sixth graders. They're trying to get to a party. There's sex, drugs, and, you know, shenanigans along the way, and they discover, you know, very powerful things about friendship, and they grow, and, you know, so on and so forth. And it's cute. There's actually a couple of moments in it where the kids, like, they cry, and my audience was, like, going, aww, like, so many times, like, throughout the movie. It was, uh, it was really, you know, entertaining in many ways. Uh, It's not my favorite uh, comedy I've seen this year, but I definitely got quite a few laughs out of it. I saw Where'd You Go, Bernadette, the new Richard Linklater film starring Kate Blanchett. 
I came for Linklater and Kate Blanchett, and I stayed for Kate Blanchett because where'd you go, Richard Linklater? <laughs> this movie felt like it could have been directed by anybody, in my opinion. But Kate really is great, and that's all you need to know, I think. So if you're a fan of hers, obviously it's worth checking out for that reason alone. I mean, Linklater kind of does that sometimes, though, right? Like, he did School of Rock, which you would never think of as a Richard Linklater movie. Yeah, but that's such a good movie. And and yeah. even um, even Everybody Wants Some kind of doesn't feel like him necessarily. Yeah. Every once in a while, he does these sort of big studio movies. Like Bad News Bears. That's one that doesn't feel like him at all. Yeah. When he goes to do Everybody Wants Some as the spiritual sequel to the movie that put him on the map. I mean, that's totally a Linklater hangout. Yeah, I think that is exactly what the Linklater style is, is like kind of this laid back, naturalistic dialogue, like hangout movie. Sometimes. This is a lot more structured. Yeah. He usually doesn't adapt things either. Yeah. It just has a workmanlike quality that I felt like any director could have done. That's that's the thing. I was kind of let down and disappointed by the lack of link later isms, you know? Yeah, he said he made this movie in memory of his mother because he saw a lot of parallels between her and Bernadette and he was really taken by the book. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was just like one of those personal things where he wanted to do something for himself and ended up giving us a great Cape Blanchett performance. Yeah. Well, our review for that is currently up on the podcast. We uh, talked about it yesterday, so you can listen to myself, Danilo, and Josh Williams discuss uh, the other movie that I saw this week and also going to be our first trailer that we are going to talk about on today's episode is the Palm Door winner from Bong Joon-ho called (laughs) Parasite. Let's take a look at the trailer for this one. I want to gather your thoughts first and foremost. Okay. 나도 봐. 공짜로 집안에 소독도 하고. 부모님 얼굴도 뵙고 좋더라. 건강들 하시고. 일거리가 없으셔도. 네가 내 대신 얘 과외 선생님 좀 해줘라. 영어. 대학생인 척하라는 거야? 구라를 좀 치지 뭐. 넌이 좋은 실력으로 왜 미드는 맨날 떨어지냐. 아이씨 죽을래. 저는 이게 위조나 범죄라고 생각하지 않아요. 자물어 미술쌤도 I'm deadly serious.
it's a yeah, really, so really yeah. well put together Maybe trailer. The best trailer we're gonna review this episode. <laughs> at least, at least my probably my pick of the best trailer. Just it sells the movie enough. And and speaking from experience right now, without giving anything away. Yes. I mean, I, it made me more excited to see it. I will admit that when I first saw it, I actually didn't really like. I went in completely blind. I didn't know anything about it, and even I was like, "Oh, they're conning their way." to get in with this rich upper class family. And that was considered a surprise to me. And obviously that is the one thing that the trailer uh, tells you because that's the plot that, that is the, you know, one sentence synopsis of what the movie is about. A lower class family uh, cons their way to get, you know, cozy with a upper class family, you know, to kind of change their circumstances. That's it. Everything else that happens after that. (sighs) You guys are in for it. It goes yeah, places. Yeah, it definitely fun. goes places. <laughs> it's really, really entertaining. Really funny. Socially relevant. Beautiful. Oh my god, beautiful. It had an ending that just completely knocked me out. I mean, th- this is a movie that I think, and especially after speaking with uh, some of the people behind it, they firmly believe that after the performance of movies like Roma and Cold War last year, that they have a shot of getting this into screenplay, director and picture, along with international film. And I think yeah, so, too. Yeah. yeah. It, it happens, you know, the, it happened with Amour, you know, the Palme d'Or winner when it's from a respected uh, auteur like that who hasn't been recognized. Sometimes they really rally behind it. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see the director's branch getting behind Bong in this one. Mm-hmm. I'm re- yeah, I definitely think screenplay for sure, because it, just from what I've read about uh, the story and his, like, sort of, his, you know, other films that he, he's made, I think the story is going to be really compelling and also have a lot of layers to it and blending of jo- different genres. I mean, Snowpiercer is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. And I think I like the social economics or political stance that he's going for. Like, I, I, oh, I'm, I'm really like, is it a horror? Is it a thriller? There's like so much going on there. I think it's going to be one of those films that starts off with something and then, yeah, it changes completely and takes a different direction. It's almost indescribable at times uh, to kind of pinpoint the genre. It's. Honestly, it's like a movie that encompasses so much that it just feels very unique and onto its own. So it's my favorite film I've seen this year. It officially knocked loose out of the number one spot. Wow. Which held that title for me all the way since back in January. <laughs> so it's been a long, long time since I've had a number one in 2019. But this was a flawless, perfect movie. And it's coming out, obviously, very, very soon. Uh, so I can't wait for you all to check it out um, as it continues to roll out through the festival season and beyond. So I'm going to make a call right now on August 18th on the next Best Picture podcast. The Parasite wins Best Picture with the L.A. Film Critics. <laughs> I would not be surprised. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good call. Oh, that's really funny. Would not be surprised given their history. Absolutely. <laughs> 
All right, so um, we did have one question this week pertaining to Parasite. Uh, this one came from James Scott, James Robert Scott on Twitter. Would you recommend avoiding the Parasite trailer, or is it okay to watch? Um, I say it's okay to watch, and you guys obviously watched it, and you guys seem to be okay, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Too much. There you go. I mean, I was nervous watching it because I do want to go into this one particularly this film, as blind as I could, because just hearing on Twitter and just hearing through, like, the grapevine, the twists and turns that it gets. But it didn't tell me that much. It just gave us, you know, the basic plot, and I'm expecting big twists and big genre bends and maybe even social commentary on the class structure of the world and consumerism and what that does to people and how people react to that environment. So if it does all of that, I think it can make an incredibly strong and incredibly everlasting film for us yeah i was just gonna say um that the trailer reminded me a bit of you know burning that came out last year we knew nothing about it and that went on to be one of my favorite films because the trailer was just so sort of wrapped in the enigma and mystery and um i think it's kind of like the case is less less is more so I feel like this trailer isn't really giving anything away. And I think you almost want to a- analyze the, the trailer in its own sort of form. <laughs> South freaking Korea, man. The Handmaiden oh, burning. Okay. The, one, the trailer that this reminded me of was The Handmaiden. Mm. Which is like very, very basic premise and then just assaults you with this g- gorgeous, mysterious imagery. There's... You get the basic plot, and then like you get the setup for the plot, and then just. But there's more. Yeah. Oh, with the handman, there was so much more. <laughs> so much more. I love that movie so much. That was a very, very fun experience. I'm actually, uh, to this day, I am actually disappointed in myself that I do not own the Handmaiden on Blu-ray because I really, really badly <laughs> want to rewatch that movie. I still haven't seen that yet. That's been on my list for years. That is yeah. not. Yeah, it's on my watch list. Movie. <laughs> I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> I think what I want to do is I want to stick uh, in terms of our trailer discussion. I kind of want to stick with the uh, the three P's of the foreign language uh, or international film category this year. <laughs> so we started off with Parasite. Uh, let's move over now to Pedro Almodovar's Pain and Glory starring Best Actor winner from the Cannes Film Festival, Antonio Bandares. Let's see what we think of this one. No, I No. No. ¿Qué haces aquí? Tengo que hablar contigo. 32 años me ha costado reconciliarme con esta película. Si no escribes ni ruedas, ¿qué vas a hacer? Vivir, supongo. Ten cuidado conmigo, eh. Tú eres muy novelero. Estoy con Salvador Mayo. Si tú ves algo raro, me llamas. Aquí todo es raro. ¿Nos conocemos? Sí. Me gustaría ser un hombre para bañarme en el río desnuda. ¿Y qué es? ¿Drama o comedia? Pues no sé. Eso, eso no se sabe. A tu vera, siempre a la verita tuya, siempre a la verita tuya, hasta que de pena muera. Buen viaje. 
Muchas gracias por venir, de verdad. I love the music in this. It's just yeah. simple, but like, it just, I was like, oh, this is nice. I like this. <laughs> I like the style of it a lot. Yeah. I'm, I'm also really excited to see the parallels to uh, Pedro Almodovar's own career and life. Um, as a lot of people have alluded to in their reviews for this film, uh, this actually screened like last week in New York, and I was so disappointed that I was not able to go see it already. Otherwise, I would have had more to speak to. But just based on this trailer alone, I can see the Banderas. Um, I can see the support. Like I, 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 I see the foundation for it. I'm really, really curious once I see the movie um, if it will still crystallize for me and be okay yes i am putting him firmly in my predictions and i am not moving him at all you know what i mean yeah because i have to admit i'm a little shaky on it as of now i understand that this would be uh definitely a career overdue career recognition for this man yeah who has been a staple in both uh domestic and international territories for many many years and has had lots of crossover appeal, both in blockbusters like The Mask of Zorro or in animation with the Shrek movies. I mean, this is a guy that literally has done it all at this point. Yeah. And I think there's a fitting quality that he could get his uh, nomination by working with Almodovar. Yeah. Mm. And like, I also love, like, if you didn't know that this movie was autobiographical already, <laughs> Antonio Banderas's look in this makes it pretty clear he's playing a version of Almodovar. <laughs> but now the question is, what does that mean, not just for Banderas, but what does that mean for Almodovar? Well, I think I, he, he contends for screenplay here and yeah. possibly even director somewhere in there because, you know, they really do like him in that branch. I mean, he Almodovar always is a contender whenever he comes up because he's so beloved. Yeah. Uh, his yeah. last few films just haven't hit the the critical mark like he usually does, but this seems to be a quote unquote return to form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been about ten years. Broken embraces the last time he was even near the conversation. Mm-hmm. Like I look at like his entire filmography and it's pretty staggering just how much this guy gets showered with awards. Maybe not sometimes domestically, but even mm-hmm. just internationally. <laughs> And how much this guy, like, I mean, the, the amount of Goya uh, awards or the, like the European film awards, like this, this guy is just beloved all over the world. Yeah. So, oh, man, you know, even if it doesn't like contend in things like picture screenplay or director, I think that like, you know, kind of like a Volver situation, we would be looking at a scenario where, um, and uh, Antonio Banderas could be the uh, you know the acting representation for the film at least, yeah. which would be nice. And based on this trailer, like I'm feeling much more secured about it. You know, it's going to be so funny this season to see Almodovar have a new film the same year as Soderbergh's uh, new movie, The Laundromat. Because I don't know if anyone remembers this. Back in 2016, when the Panama Papers were leaked, there were documents, financial documents, that had Pedro Almodovar's name in there. Did not know that. So, oh. Yeah, a little controversy. So you're going to have this movie about uh, Soderbergh, you know, talking about the expose and all these financial documents that were leaked and, you know, offshore accounts and legal activity. And there's Amadovar tied up in all of it. You just gave somebody a blog post idea, Michael. And isn't Banderas <laughs> in the laundromat? Or am I remembering that correctly? Yes, he is. He oh, is. my God. He is. <laughs> oh, there's a conspiracy here. <laughs> <laughs> 
tinfoil hats, people. Exactly. <laughs> uh, alrighty, so the next one on the list here. This is one that's getting a lot, a lot of buzz. Also from Neon, and it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Neon campaigns both Parasite and uh, this contender here. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Winner of the Best Screenplay Award this year from the Cannes Film Festival. Oh, man. I, I want to talk about it, but let's watch the trailer first. Then we'll talk about it. L'homme intéressé par ma fille est milanais. Nous partons là-bas, si le portrait lui plaît. Vous partirez. Il faut que vous sachiez une chose. Elle a épuisé déjà un peintre avant vous. Elle a refusé de poser. Il n'a jamais vu son visage. Pourquoi refuse-t-elle d'être peinte Parce qu'elle refuse ce mariage. Vous allez devoir la peindre sans qu'elle le sache. Elle pense que vous êtes une compagne de promenade pour quelques jours. Elle pense que je suis là pour la surveiller. Et vous, vous la regardez Je suis venue pour vous peindre. C'était donc ça vos regards. So freaking beautiful. Yeah. So fucking gorgeous. Every single shot. Every yeah. shot. Yeah. Yeah. This is the most gorgeous looking trailer I think I've seen up until now. This might be the most gorgeous looking film I have seen uh, this year, period. I cannot wait to see this. I <laughs> will run as soon as it opens anywhere. I can't. There's, can't so, wait. Ma- there's so many like um, beautiful, haunting imagery just contained in that trailer that I, I can't wait to see the rest of the film and just um, the, the choice of music in the trailer is really interesting as well because it has mm. that really unsettling vibe to it you're not sure what this film is going to be about and from what I've heard it's not what I initially thought it was going to be with a with that sort of title and that use of the, the music and I'm really excited to find you know, go watch it, and it just, yeah, it just looks beautiful. It looks yeah, so the, beautiful. The music in the trailer is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's like haunting yet alluring, yet you're being drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Even though you know it might be a little dangerous, it might be a little eerie, you still want to go towards it, and you still want to know more about it. And I love that appeal. Like I'm, it's like I'm, I'm drawn to it. I need more of it, and I don't know how I can get more of it. Mm-hmm. I, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just like spellbound by this. Uh, every single shot of this had me in a, like a trance of, I need to screen grab this. I need to screen grab that. I need to like put a collage mm-hmm. together and just blow this up and hang it up on my wall somewhere. I feel like I'm acting like some sort of addict. Like I can't get enough 
of this trailer or of these shots <laughs> of this film. And I'm just like, where's more? Give me more. Give me more. And it's Seriously. definitely in like my top like three anticipated of the year because of this trailer yet alone, even with all the praise it's got since can just seeing it now. I'm just like, OK, where is it? Let me see it. I need to go. Here's something that will make you guys laugh. I'm going to send over uh, something to our group chat right now, and it is my collage of shots that I did from the trailer. <laughs> just everyone just take a quick <laughs> look and react here on react here on the podcast to this. Look at this. Uh, uh, oh, Lord. Look at those shots. <laughs> it is for me. It's the one of um, I don't so handle it in the white dress is just mm-hmm. like. Oh, it looks like a freaking painting. And her walking away I on the fire. Her walking so with the I. fire is the one yeah. I love. Yeah. Oh my god. Like every year, I always say to myself, I have no reason to go to Cannes. Like I have no reason to ever go to Cannes <laughs> because all the good Cannes movies end up playing at all of the uh, festivals afterwards anyway. Yeah, that's true. But this is the kind of movie that, just from a cinematic like drug fix. <laughs> I need to go to Cannes to get this like injected into me right away. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. When I first heard about this movie at Cannes, you know, I tend to be very skeptical about movies that play there and the, even the reactions in real time. I like to wait. Sure, sure. The Cannes audience can be very, you know, interesting to say yeah. the least. Yeah, absolutely. So when I heard about this, you know, I was like, OK, let's just, you know, put it on the back burner. We'll see what it's like when it comes to the fall festivals. Could be interesting. And then I watched the trailer this past week. I'm like, okay, this this is the real deal. It looks like we're going to put this on the list, not just brush it under the rug. This looks like a legit movie. Whether or not it has any awards potential, look, I don't know if that's going to be a thing or not. I would say probably not outside of maybe a few critics groups here and there. But uh, in terms of like an art house late December release, yeah, this could be something that people respond to. Oh, I could easily see this being uh, Francis' submission for the international film category. Well, remember, they have uh, France has so many options this Amazon. year. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. they have. So, I mean, they always have a surfeit of options, but this year in particular, it's like they have a lot to choose from. so strong. Yeah. You know, wouldn't it be nice if you could submit more than one film? I also yeah. just really quickly want to clarify something. It also won the Queer Palm at the uh, Cannes Film Festival. I failed to yeah. mention that before. Yeah. I said it won the Screenplay yeah. Award. So I just wanted to uh, make sure I said that. Yeah, this is something that I'm really, really excited for, obviously. And um, the director, uh, writer of this movie, Celine uh, Skiyama, um, also uh, just even based off this trailer alone, it has made me now want to uh, go and check out uh, other works that she has uh, done before, like Girlhood. Um, I know that came out a few years ago, 2014, and I never got a chance to uh, check that one out. So I really want to go back and see that. She also did uh, Tomboy in 2011, another film I remember yeah. hearing about. Tomboy is great. Everyone should see that. Yeah. So the, the, like the, uh, these, this is now giving me like the the ammunition to be like, yes, these are films that I missed uh, years ago that I remember hearing about. But now I definitely want to check them out in anticipation for what we're going to get here, because I do think that this is the one that uh, while she has gotten recognition for a couple of her movies before, I think this is the one that's going to really, really blow her up. I think yeah. the question is, is can this movie break into the best cinematography category? Uh, after Never Look Away last year, <laughs> I would say anything is possible. That was Caleb, I, that was Caleb Deschanel. That's yeah. true. Yeah, That is true. Hey, you know what? Uh, female cinematographer, if they want to continue the trend that they started uh, with Mudbound and... 20, uh, 2018 then or, or 2017 rather then why not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, they should. Again, just looking at these screenshots in this trailer, this is the best shot thing that I've seen so far. Yeah. yeah easily. Like, this is, like, my equivalence of, like, cinema porn in my mind. <laughs> it's just gorgeous. I can't. I can't stop looking at it. Well, another trailer that we're going to discuss right now that many described as cinema porn this week, of course, Terrence Malick. Anytime Terrence Malick has a movie back. come out, uh, the internet always goes into full screen grab mode. Look at these shots, you know. <laughs> I know I'm one of those people, okay? Now, the last couple of Terrence Malick films, three, actually, ever since Tree of Life, I pretty much have gotten to a point where I have written Terrence Malick completely off. I did not like what he was going for with these last three films. Didn't like the style. Didn't appreciate it at all. I, I understand it works for some people in terms of like lyrical poems or whatever you want to read into with them. But this just was not for me. I like Terrence Malick much more when he has some sort of a plot attributed to his movies. And with his latest one, A Hidden Life, we have gotten word since its premiere at Cannes that it does return Malick back to form. So let's now take a look at the trailer, see what we think. Remember the day when we first met? I remember that motorcycle, my best dress. You looked at me and I knew how simple life was then. What's happened to our country? Killing innocent people, raiding other countries, preying on the weak. If our leaders, if they're evil, what does one do? You have a duty to the fatherland. The church tells you so. You cannot say no to your race and your hope. You are a traitor. Swear loyalty to Hitler. I can't. Do you think your defiance will change the course of things? If God gives us free will, we're responsible for what we do, what we fail to do. I can't do what I believe is wrong. We have to stand up to evil. Honestly, this looks like the real deal. Yeah, I think he's back. I will go so far as to say that I would not be surprised if this was like a lone director win year for Malik. I could see that. But however, like before we knew anything about this year, before anything was released and anything like way back, way back, like after the last Oscars, sight unseen for everything this was my pick for best picture and i kind of moved away from it after the can response was like good but not incredible right and um now with this trailer like it is back baby i'm i'm back on it i say this is gonna win it has everything going for it but wait you think it's gonna win best picture yeah i do shit 
Wow. It is Oscar's absolute favorite subject. (laughs) That's true. One of their absolute favorite directors, Terrence Malick, who is overdue, like over overdue for recognition. And uh, the cinematography looks gorgeous. The the story of a conscientious objector, I think, is something that will play very well today, no matter who you are. Um, and just like, ta. I just think this has everything going for it, and I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be a big hit with the Academy. It makes sense on paper, but let's just remember that this is a three-hour movie on a preferential ballot. Yeah, so that's why I feel so much better (laughs) predicting, you know, if it gets, say, nominations for, hypothetically speaking, Mm -hmm. uh, cinematography, the music by James Newton Howard, uh, Malick, uh, the film does, let's just say, end up in Best Picture, let's just say. I think that's all probably going to happen. Oh, but but what I'm but what I'm getting at is here. I could see a world where Malik pulls a Mike Nichols for the Graduate, and he wins director, and the film doesn't win anything else. I can see that happen too. Yeah, sure. You know, directors are wide open right with now. It. I have like Martin Scorsese sitting atop there, just as like yeah. the number two prize for all that it seems like he's doing with the Irishman. But if this does land the way that. Some of us are expecting. Yeah. I mean, even though he doesn't campaign at all, Terrence Malick, it's hard to even find a recent picture of him. You know, if the movie is enough of a hit and Fox Searchlight knows what they're doing, I, I see no reason why that's not a possibility. Yep. Let's also not forget, too, that our friend Ann Thompson, uh, when she saw the film at Cannes, she immediately called out that this film would be a uh, best picture contender. Mm-hmm. And this trailer shows why. I, I It won me over, and I was kind of just like, even everything good that I'd heard out of Cannes, I was like, I don't know. But, like, the trailer definitely sold me to the point where, like, I had chills by the end of this trailer. Oh, my God. It's so, it. it's so yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. I, I, I had tears uh, by the end of this trailer. I know that this is a film that will make me cry a lot. Yeah. And um, it looks really beautiful. I mean, the cinematography is just, oh. It looks, but. Uh, the runtime issue maybe will put most people off. I think the runtime is why the film doesn't have the most enthusiastic reviews. I think that's why it's currently sitting at a 74% Rotten Tomatoes at the moment um, because I think Terrence Malick's style is probably more well-suited for a 90 to 120-minute runtime max. You start pushing mm-hmm. that to three hours, and I think that's when you start pushing people's <laughs> uh, patience, too, at that point. Mm-hmm. You're either going to be on board with it or you're not. Yeah, because yeah, on paper, like even the basic plot, like it's it generates like a commercial attitude. Like I know people who don't who aren't like cinephiles, quote unquote. But if you tell them like well, this is what this movie is about, they'll be interested. But once it hits like you know two and a half hours, you notice the way Malik's films are, it can get a little like headachey and could pull people out. So that's the only issue I see really. Well, I mean, you never know. This seems to be from everything I've heard a more straightforward. Malik movie than he's certainly than he's been making recently um yeah so it might not be so bad (laughs) the three hour (laughs) runtime I don't know like this is my like three hour runtimes they only feel like three hours when the movie is like not yes or when it's like purposely leaning into we want this to feel long right I mean like once upon a time in Hollywood felt every inch of those two hours and 40 whatever minutes no yes it did um, <laughs> like 
No, it definitely felt it. But and <laughs> but like some kids, like I mean, people were all about like God. Tony Erdman is like almost three hours long, but that I could have sat there forever. Oh my god, we're totally flip-flopping today, Dan. This is nuts. (laughs) Yeah, I I was not uh, so, so on board with Tony Ehrman. But I will admit it had its moments sprinkled throughout that runtime. I will agree to that. Are there going to be dinosaurs in this one? (laughs) (laughs) You never know with Terrence Malick. (laughs) So... Michael Jaws asks us, uh, Hidden Life is releasing in December, which indicates that it's probably good, whereas Night of Cups, Song to Song, was pushed to spring. Uh, based off the trailer, do you think Terrence Malick has a shot at taking Best Picture, Best Director uh, this year? Um, some of us have weighed in on this. Uh, I want to hear from those that didn't get a chance to weigh in. What do, you, what do you all think? I find director more likely than picture, personally. I can see it getting nominated easily, but yeah, I think the preferential ballot and people who have already preconceived notions about Malick's style and whatnot might hinder it a bit. Yeah, if I could pick any one of them, like I would put more of my eggs in the director bag than everything else. So I, I think mean, he probably. just deserves it. He does like, I mean, like I know he's been nominated before, but I think this like can push him really in. It's so funny because I think he has a great shot in director, yet I don't have him on my five because that category looks like such a bloodbath this year. You have all these types who are right up that branch's alley. You have something needs to drop. Yeah. 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 Like Irishman, like maybe needs to be a failure or uh, something needs to happen, you know? Uh, I think they should have a Hunger Games style fight off between the directors. (laughs) Like they're all, they could all be good movies for all we know. And like 1917, for instance, is like that looks like a director's vision right there. Something like we saw happen to Nolan back with Dunkirk. And there's a world where that gets like all the tech awards, all the nominations, picture, all, and then Sam Mendes is like left home nomination morning and no one knows what happened. You know, you have Tarantino, you have Bong Joon Ho, you have Greta Gerwig, which we're going to talk about later, James Mangold, Almodovar. It's like somebody Noah. has to. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. You know, we we got a lot of questions pertaining to the best director race. I want to like address these um, because we have like three questions in total uh, all related to it. Uh, Scott Kernan asks, out of the core three directors this year, uh, they're referencing uh, Martin Scorsese, Noah Baumbach and Sam Mendes. Which one do you think is the most likely to be snubbed on Oscar morning as every year a supposedly likely contender everyone is going for misses on the day? I have no basis for saying that. Yeah, that, that's where I, would, where I was going to go. Mendes. Yeah. Back to, like, it would get all the technical nominations and then just, like, would miss Mendes. And just because it's such a packed year for director, like, as we've said. So I could definitely see the Academy putting more eggs in the technical side of 1917 and not give it to Mendes. Yeah. I could see Bombeck missing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think Netflix is going to go see so hard for Marriage that. Story. Yeah, I think that's... Mar- I could... Right now, I see Marriage Story being Netflix's number one for some reason, and I do need to see a trailer before I can assume anything for that film. It, it is. Um, I can tell you right now, after talking yeah. with them, it, it is definitely their, it's their pony. That's why I wouldn't mm-hmm. move it, because we see, like, Kenneth yeah. Lundgren get in from Manchester mm-hmm. by the Seas still, and we get see these, you know, not as flashy directors get in. And Bombeck's a guy who's put in his time. He has a lot of friends, a lot of contacts, going to have a lot of support this year. And that movie is playing at all the major festivals. So yeah. they're going for it, it across the like, board. Yeah. Well, that's I, I would, my number one, yeah. I, I'm just going to say it then. If that's the case, then I can see him or Gerwig making it in, but probably not both. And that's the really? Because Gerwig, yeah. 
we're going to talk more about that trailer. She is someone who is like flying high coming off of Lady Bird, which I don't think a single person in this world disliked. I mean, that's a perfect mm-hmm. movie. Got all those nominations. There, there are those people. I don't understand them, but they do exist. Yeah. Well, even if they are out there, the Academy, at least, she got the nomination, which, remember, that was not a guarantee her Best Director nomination. No, it was sort of a surprise not. when it did happen that morning. Mm-hmm. But as much as it pains me, like, I have her sitting at six right now because it's like, who do you kick out? It's really a tough call. I wonder if they would get maybe Martin Scorsese. I mean, he's kind of had his day, you know. Maybe it's time for some fresh blood. I uh, think that if the Irishman is good, he's he's good for it. But if it mm-hmm. underwhelms in any way, let's remember that Gangs of New York was aggressively mediocre, and he got in. <laughs> It's true. They do love him. And that, and he rode the wave to the, of that director, not based solely on the technicals of that movie, the art direction, the costumes, the editing, you know, things of that nature. And if, like, all of those are intact, that shows you a director's vision, as we mentioned before about Sam Mendes, you know. So, you know, if you can have the technical branches all backing your movie across the board, usually that means a director nomination is coming. It's right. very, very rare that we see a highly nominated film with like up to seven nominations and not get a Best Director nomination. It's so strange. Like Tarantino, some people will say take him out, but the whole thing you've been hearing about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is like every major director in Hollywood saying, oh, this is the movie that made me fall in love with movies again. It's the best thing he's ever directed. Yeah. So people are so high on that. You don't want to move him away. And then, of course, like we said, James Mangold. They're going to love Ford v. Ferrari once that premieres. I think so. Mm, I wouldn't bet on him. Yeah, not at all. He's a director who was put in the time, obviously came somewhat close with Logan, and he had Mm -hmm. walked the line. They they are going to push that. And even if it's not like film Twitter's favorite, those meat and potatoes guys in the director's branch are going to be all over him. He's great. Nothing bad about him, and I bet the film's great, but I just don't see him making that top five yeah, we'll agreed. see we'll, we'll know soon when the film premieres at Telluride what people uh, think about that hush hush it's supposed to be a secret um, <laughs> this one comes from at CFP 3157 what do you think about the possibility of having an all former nominee race in best director Scorsese Gerwig Tarantino Mendez Soderbergh Malik Morales like is it possible that all the nominees and director are all former nominees yeah, it's very possible. And then the uh, last question here pertaining to the best director category. Potential candidates for another lone director like Paolo Palakowski last year. I know it's unlikely, but with the international influx in the director's branch, I can't shake the idea that someone like Bong Joon-ho or Pedro Almodovar could make it in, even if their film misses Best Picture. And then uh, Scott uh, commented, perhaps Terrence Malick as the director's branch always seems to go for him. Yeah, I can well, given that many of us oh, yeah. have Parasite in there for Best Picture, that's not alone, but maybe Pedro. I just love it when, you know, the Academy shares the wealth and includes foreign films in categories mm. besides Best Foreign Film, because they are just as important and just as valid. And sometimes, most of the time, just as good as American and English films. So I think they should definitely share the wealth, because there are phenomenal filmmakers around the world. Agreed. Mm-hmm. I I hope that we're in for another, um, oh, what was it, 2012 year where we had um, 
Ben Zeitlin and um, Michael Haneke get in and everyone was like, what happened? Right. And that's the but thing I about someone like happens. Sam Mendes. I, it's yeah, like I some love people might assume he's so safe, like yeah. Ben Affleck or Catherine yeah, Bigelow in the, in the end. Nomination warning. <laughs> yeah. I will never forget how I felt that nomination morning. That was so <laughs> amazing. I loved it so much. I was hearing their names and knowing that someone missed, but I didn't realize who missed. I was like, okay, yeah. someone missed. I'll check afterward. I'm like, oh, those are the people that missed? Yeah, I, I think we could definitely be in for another year like that. And I kind of hope so because that makes it more exciting. It does. Yeah. I do want to just tie up the conversation around A Hidden Life by mentioning that it, along with Lucy in the Sky, Seberg, uh, The Truth, Wasp Network, Waves, and The Aeronauts, along with a few others, were all announced to be going to TIFF this week. I'm so excited. I can't wait. This is like the point where Dan wishes he was going for like an additional five days. I seriously, I like, I wish I could stay the whole time. I really do. So many. It's impossible to see them all. It's just so, so many. But damn it, I'm going to try. It's crazy. (laughs) Um, I had a couple of conversations with some people. Um, I was talking with a friend of the podcast, Kenny Miles. We were trying to hammer out based on the uh, TIFF announcement of uh, these uh, new films that are premiering there. Some of them are not premiering, and it's very likely that some are going to Telluride, including uh, The Aeronauts. So, looking at a Telluride TIFF stop. Um, Also, among this list, looks like Waves, the Trey Edward Schultz film. That apparently is not a musical like we thought. Yeah, that's what I heard this week. So... That will also be going to Telluride. And, you know, we've kind of like gotten to a point now where it's like we know Ford v. Ferrari, The Two Popes, Uncut Gems, uh, Motherless Brooklyn, Marriage Story, Judy, uh, The Climb, Pain and Glory, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Parasite, The Report, uh, and A Hidden Life are all now going to Telluride, it looks like. So... Pretty, pretty exciting all around. Obviously, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more excited than ever because this is my first year that I'm going. So there's more of an investment here. <laughs> uh, but in the past, you know, we've always looked at Telluride as like the launch pad for uh, something. I know Venice is seen as that for a lot of people. Obviously, Venice will show us uh, Judy, Joker. Uh, what else is premiering at Venice this year? Marriage Story. Uh, Marriage Story is going to Venice first. Yeah. yeah oh, my God, well. it is. It's going everywhere. That's right. We'll see. Oh, crazy. It's going to be a very, very exciting time, to say the least. Yeah. All right. Another trailer on the list here. Speaking of exciting, making a comeback in our hearts is Eddie Murphy with the Netflix film Dolomite Is My Name. Let's take a look at the trailer for this one. Let's see what we think, what Eddie Murphy has been up to. Hey, you know, Auntie, I was thinking about putting out a comedy record. Comedy? You've been a singer, a shake dancer? Ha! It's real hard to break in. I do whatever it takes to get in. I come up with a new character. Dolomite is my name, and fucking up motherfuckers is my game. Hair. You look like a pimp. It's all pretend. I just created a character. <laughs> you true. Pull on that. Oh, uh, that's a wig. That's right. Whatever it takes, I'm ready to do it. I got to be totally outrageous. 
is filthy. You've got a product here that you can't sell or promote. All my life, people been telling me no. Brody. Sometimes our dreams just don't come true. A man slam a door in my face, I just find another door. I want the world to know I exist. You can write. This ain't funny. And it ain't no brothers in it either. If I get up in that light with my own movie, I could be everywhere all at once. Let's bring Dolomite to the screen. The actors we hire, you're a bit doughier than them. Doughier? Hey, that's Durban Martin. I'm offering you a role in my new motion picture. You think you could just walk up here and hire me? No. What if we let you direct? In storytelling, it's always best to write what you know. You ain't nothing to talk about in my personal life. I deal with the nightlife, club owners and mobsters and lots of pimps and kung fu. Do you know karate? No, but I'm a fast learner. I can learn how to chop me a motherfucker. Action. Give it to me. Put your weight on it. Pretending like he could be a sex machine. What planet is this cat on? Damn! This thing flops, you're gonna be working for free for the rest of your life. I'm so grateful for what you did for me. Cause I never seen nobody that looks like me up there on that big screen. God damn! Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know I Cut! Was it good as shave? Oh my god. Yeah. Looks fantastic. This looks absolutely fantastic. It looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. I can mm-hmm. see. I, I have this. I know that we don't predict Golden Globes on the site, but Eddie Murphy's in at the Globes. Like, I think you can mark that off now because it'll be in comedy or musical and that, yeah, mark that in now. Yeah, I, I agree. Absolutely Globes. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them push him for SAG too, just like we saw with James Franco. Yeah. Like, this is a comeback. Yeah. I have missed Eddie Murphy for so long. We haven't really yeah. seen him since 2011. He popped up in the movie Mr. Church that went absolutely nowhere. <laughs> but this is like Eddie Murphy back in top form. Yeah, it's so refreshing fun. to have him back. And this is the beginning looked, of a big resurgence for him. He just signed a contract with Netflix to do a comedy special, his first in about 30 years, and it's like a $75 million thing that they're doing. Wow. Wow. It's insane. So he is that. See, this is going to be the beginning of the Eddie Murphy at Netflix, just like we see Adam Sandler at Netflix. You have Dolomite now, you have this Netflix special, and then late next year you're going to have Coming to America. Wow. Also directed I mean, honestly, by Craig Brewer. Yeah, I mean, this looks like a perfect perfect part for eddie murphy i mean yeah alan arkin was great in little miss sunshine deserves that oscar but at the same time eddie murphy really should be holding that yeah i agree i think they really really uh missed their opportunity with that one he's yeah. just one of the great comics of the 20th and 21st centuries and i will say this based on this trailer you know um there was a little bit of a rumbling that netflix was obviously going to give a push to eddie murphy and best actor i agree with the assessment of golden globe maybe a sag surprise but Mm -hmm. i don't see it going all the way instead i do see it being a respectable Welcome back, Eddie Murphy. We missed you. Um, we're not going to give you the Oscar, uh, you know, for lead actor yeah. or even nomination, but it's good to have you back. 
I think he'll it's contend like, maybe in like the top 10, top 15, but just miss out nomination morning. Where I do think it'll get in at Oscars, though, is costume design. Very, very possible. Yeah, those costumes do look like fun. Yeah, she, she just won last year for Black Panther, of course. And this is a great supporting cast here. It's Eddie Murphy, Keegan-Michael Key, Mike Epps, Greg Robinson, Titus Burgess, Divine Joy Randolph from Ghost the Musical. Uh, Temple Spike. alum. She went to my school. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Ron Jones, like... Chris Rock, Cody Smith-McPhee, Snoop Dogg. Like Snoop Dogg was... popped up for one Snoop minute there. Yep. The I died. <laughs> and it's written by Scott Alexander and Larry Kazaworski. Yeah, so this is the one thing where I think this could be in for trouble is that it is written and directed by white men. <sighs> yeah, from an optics standpoint. But here's what I'm going to say about that. Exactly. Like, if the film is good, then I don't think anyone p- pulling that out has a leg to stand on. But, like, it's it's weird in this day and age for a film about such an, you know, an iconic African-American person to be written and directed by white men and like you have to think of optics these days unfortunately but you do well to that i'm going to just say this if they're putting in the trailer from the director of hustle and flow i guarantee you that unless if you know we keep saying you know the reality which is hey the director of hustle and flow is a white man i think people that you know don't know that and they just see oh it's from the director of hustle and flow they're going to naturally assume (laughs) that it's not a white man this is Eddie Murphy's baby. He produced it. He called the shots. He hired these people. So if it's him making the calls there, I don't think it's the same as like a studio appointing so-and-so to go direct this movie. Hmm. I was just like, I don't think it will be a big problem, but I think that if it gets any awards heat, you can bet people will be. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be a problem because I don't, th- I don't consider it to be a best picture contender. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like Eddie Murphy being like, okay, now I have your attention. Yeah, and he's gonna show him like he's the world. He still got it, and then it's what he does after this. Yes, is what's gonna determine what happens. Like if this was contending for picture and director uh, categories, then I would say Dan that it would be it will be an issue because that will be something that people will look to exploit. Mm-hmm. But if they just see that it's an Eddie Murphy vehicle, I yeah I, I don't I, like why why are then why are we then calling that into question? It, like the whole focus will be oh, on I Eddie Murphy agree. then, you know? I would agree. So. Bye. And if you haven't had a chance yet, go on Netflix and watch his episode of Comedians and Cards Getting Coffee that was just released. Oh, it's instead good. That instead of the standard 15, 20 minutes, they did a full hour with him. Mm. Yeah, I heard And that. it was just a great conversation with him and Jerry Seinfeld. Really worth checking out. Nice. Nice. I'm just so he's one of the great comic minds of the last hundred years. Him, you know, to have him back on screen and doing his thing again is just so nice to mm-hmm. witness. I'm just thinking if we have the Oscars... And the you know Eddie Murphy and Antonio Banderas are up against each other. Then you can have Donkey versus um, Puss in Boots. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's, yeah. Mike Myers in a Best Picture nominee. There oh, what does Mike Myers have coming out this year? <laughs> Where's Cameron Diaz? Like, yeah, seriously. <laughs> Get her out of retirement now. Yeah, yeah look, that's crazy. Like everyone from Shrek sort of like dropped off the face of the planet over this past decade. Well, Murphy's never been the same really since the whole Chicago incident i feel oh, you mean uh you mean dream girls oh, yeah dream girls sorry and i'm just glad like it finally took him it's been like enough time that he's finally ready to come out and again show the world that he's got it he still wants to do it, and he still has the passion and i can't wait to see what he does after this as well all right little change of pace here uh from the awards conversation let's move over to some studio comedy fair 
uh, directed by Paul Feig, who we all love for Spy, Bridesmaids, The Heat, and a few others, uh, including, uh, what was the last one you just did that was really good? A Simple Favor. Yes. <laughs> oh, man, that was a lot of fun. Uh, he's got a new film coming out now with Amelia Clark and Henry Golding, who is capitalizing on uh, Crazy Rich Asians from last year, getting some more roles. Good for him. Written by Academy Award winner Emma Thompson, along with uh, Bri- B- Bryony? Bryony? Yeah, I'm saying that right. Bryony Kimmings. This is Last Christmas. Let's take a look. Okay, it's not my fault. I bet nothing's ever your fault, is it, darling? You have thrown away your life working in some silly Christmas shop. Baby, don't cry. Hey, Elf! This is my little helper. I have nicknamed her Lazy the Elf because she appears never to work. Father, don't let Christmas get me out of here. What? Jesus. Where'd you come from? Well, what are you looking at? Might be a falcon. Damn it! I think you just pooed in your eye. Yeah, I think so. It's good luck, you know. What is? Getting pooed on by bed. I'm busy, you're weird. Goodbye. You've missed five doctor's appointments. Mum is scared. So, uh, tell me about sleep. She Fun. never sleeps. Exercise? Religiously. Not at all. Alcohol? Oh, oh she's drinking while. like the pirate. Well, OK, fine. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you so much for your time. Let's go, Mum. Whoa! <gasps> you! Again. What do you mean again? Did you follow me here? Are elves always so cynical? Yes. Relentlessly, these are dark times. I'm Tom. Kate. Last Christmas. Here we are. This is the bit where you murder me. So what is it that you do? I sing. Oh, it's amazing. Anyway, boring, boring, boring. I'm not bored. You are so strange. <laughs> where are you going? We're in there. Well, you're not homeless. No, I volunteer here. <laughs> Why didn't you just get Saint tattooed on your forehead? You were great at your job when you started, but now it's like you don't care anymore. Hi. Oh, hi. Hi. Can I help? I'm a mess. I was really sick and I nearly died. I don't tell people because they get weird, but I don't think you'll get weird. No. I'm just scared all the time. And they just expect me to be normal and get on with life. There's no such thing as normal. You know, just being a human being is hard. Maybe you should do something nice for someone. Deck the halls with bells of holly. Fa la 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 la. Tis the season to be jolly. Oh boy. I've been volunteering at the shelter. Seriously? That sounds like a healthy choice. What's wrong with you? I've been trying to find you, you keep disappearing. And then when I do bump into you, accidentally, I might add. It wasn't accidental. Why me? It's always going to be you. You like? (laughs) You're going to make mistakes, and that's okay. You're made of everything you do. You can't be in here! No, we're leaving! So I have a confession for you, but what? I woke up, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday morning. I watched it early in the morning. And I knew it was Henry Golding, of course, but I couldn't for the life of me pinpoint who the actress was, the lead actress. <laughs> I'm like, oh, is this like Come some on, newcomer that they're bringing onto the scene? I was like, wow, this is like some, she's going to get like a Golden Globe nomination or like, you know, everyone's going to say breakthrough actress. Who in the world is this? And I saw Amelia Clark. I'm like, oh. 
Dude, her hair is blonde. She looks so much better in this than she does in any other movie she's been in. No, I was very impressed because I was like, wow, this is like someone that we've never seen before. And sure enough, there she is. But uh, this looks wonderful. This looks really, really terrific. We've all proven that Michael has not been watching Game of Thrones the last couple of years. (laughs) (laughs) I think she's suited for comedy. This, I, I'm perplexed by this one, I have to admit. Me too. Because the way that the trailer is cut is obviously your typical studio rom-com, like in terms of its presentation, its style. However, I can't help but feel like there's something being hidden Mm -hmm. that is alluded to in this trailer. And if I'm being completely honest, I I did see uh, some articles, uh, some headlines that pointed this out as well. I haven't read them because I don't want to be unintentionally spoiled but I do wonder if there is some sort of a hook that they are avoiding, and that could be the thing that's like the albatross that just brings this movie down for people when they see it, and could be, unfortunately, maybe considered maybe even one of the worst movies of the year. Uh, what? Yeah, like I, I'm, I I'm not kidding. I know what he's talking about. No, yeah, it seems like they're marketing it as just like a straight up holiday romantic comedy, but I do see that there is probably a twist or a turn in this film that takes it down a very dramatic or maybe soap opera y kind of route where it's yeah. just like very dramatic, very like trying to get the tears out of you. And it can get very cheesy and very corny very easily if they don't do it right. And outside of Game of Thrones, if I'm being very honest here, I know people love Amelia Clark like in real life as a human being, but she has not had a good critical reception with her film career. Oh yeah, that Terminator well, film. Oh. Yeah, Terminator her films haven't been good. Yeah. So I I do worry in that regard. I mean, Me Before You was another one. Yeah. Uh, that you know they they tried to capitalize on her charm and such and like once again that was a movie that <laughs> grossly mishandled uh, some of its storytelling moments in it. But this one has Emma Thompson writing the script, and I feel like that gives it that encourages me to give it the benefit of the doubt. Sure. At this point, because mm-hmm. Emma Thompson is a freaking fantastic writer Mm -hmm. and she does not write films often anymore no last one here was bridget jones's baby she i don't know how much of that was all hers she was one of three writers on that so she may have just been brought in to polish it up and i would not be surprised when that's the case here um yeah but it's a story here as well yeah yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I mean, I agree with you, Dan. No sense and sensibility, stranger than fiction. Mm. You know, uh, what was another one that she wrote that was also the Nanny, the Nanny. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's yeah. the other one. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree that the pedigree is there. I, I get it. I'm skeptical of it, but I see. I'm very nervous about it. I see there could be something lurking behind this that they're trying to again pull at the heartstrings, but I don't see it working. So it could be great. But there also is that other side to it that it could not be so great. Let's also not underestimate uh, Henry Golding and Michelle Yeoh repairing from Crazy Rich Agents. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And Patty Lupone is in this. She wasn't in the trailer, oh. but she's listed on IMDb. Uh, nice. Yes, woman. Otherwise, I, I got to say, you know, like Henry Golding and Amelia Clark, you want to talk about like two just obscenely good looking, charming people. That clearly, like, people are going to want to go to the movie theater just to see these two fall in love because 
you know, who doesn't want to escape for two hours watching something like that? <laughs> I, 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 I do. I, I, I do worry. I am a little worried. I'm not going to lie. On the other hand, I do have trust in Emma Thompson. So mm-hmm. I also have trust in, in, in Paul Feig as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do. I, I really, really like a lot of his movies. Um, there's hasn't really been one these last couple of years. Yeah, like there really hasn't been any that I've just been like, oh, I really did not like that at all. Like even Ghostbusters, which I think I was like pretty low on. I still found some merit in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Matt, the thing that you're uh, somewhat worried about here, is that based on a tweet that somebody put out this week by any chance? There was a couple of different headlines I saw, like, let's talk about the last Christmas trailer or five things that the last Christmas trailer could be hiding or. But it's also you could kind of see it in the trailer. The trailer's three minutes. It's a long trailer. Yeah. Yeah. And there's stuff about like Amelia Clark's character that they don't outright mention that that it's like alluded to. Do you think this is just some like you know this is what happened after Game of Thrones like uh, Drogo like carried her off into yeah this is what Felicity's yeah. doing there you go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna tie it into Game of Thrones somehow she had a bad breakup she has to start over yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but yeah that's that's what I'm that's what I'm alluding she to Michael stabbed in the heart so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I think I think I really like Amelia Clark as a comedy uh, comedian, um, and I think you know if she keeps to these like light-hearted, you know, films rather than the action films because she's you know she's really on the small side. So it looks kind of funny in Terminator when she's there next to Arnie. So mm. um, I, I think yeah, I would I think she's got it in her to be you know do really well in this sort of genre so no yeah i definitely agree i think she's very comfortable in this genre and in this character i think it's most like her she's a very quirky person yes as i saw from so i think that fits her a lot more with these dark dramas and i think with the action just the impossible challenge of playing sarah connor when you have to compare you with linda hamilton who just kicked that role out of the park was tough for her probably but I think comedy suits her better and I think it fits her personality as a person much better than really dark dramas but only time will tell to see what the audience prefer her in she's been set up to fail a lot like you just made that comparison about uh following following Linda uh, Hamilton that's a tough thing to follow but does anyone else Mm -hmm. remember in 2013 when she did breakfast at Tiffany's on Broadway Oh God! That's oh right. God! I forgot about that. Like, Don't got, mind me. She doesn't make good decisions. Like you can't. I close after a month. Ugh. It's tough yeah. to do such iconic roles like that, and I wouldn't do it if I was her. I know I that know. you you can't possibly live up to the Audrey Hepburn standard. Mm-hmm. So we'll right see. after that, she does Sarah Connor. Like, what are you doing, Amelia? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Also, very interesting that they're highlighting uh, with music by George Michael. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, with yeah George, we'll, we'll have to talk to off air about that yeah. because uh, the thing that you had mentioned, I think, was tied into a uh, George Michael component. I, I don't want to mm, get Is it? I, like I said, I didn't I didn't read any of the articles. I just saw stuff alluded to. So, that yeah, talk to me off air about that. I'll be you very interested. understand okay. there is something more than meets the eye in this film. Yeah. Yeah. So there's Transformers is what you're telling me. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. We are getting to the end here, people. We now have one trailer left to discuss this week, and then we are all done. So what I'm going to do is this. 
before we get to this last trailer, I'm going to take a quick break to just go over last week's poll and then talk about this week's poll. So for last week, tying into the release of Where'd You Go Bernadette, we asked everyone which was their favorite Kate Blanchett performance. We asked the impossible question here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how in God's name do you choose your favorite Kate Blanchett performance? I know some of us gave our choices last week. Let's just reiterate them. Uh, Michael, favorite Kate Blanchett performance? Blue Jasmine in a walk. All right. Casey? I'm going to say Carol. That's how I'm feeling today. Bianca? Um, I'm going to have to say Blue Jasmine, too. Lauren? I'm going to say Blue Jasmine. Dan Baer? Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. It's obviously Blue Jasmine. Okay. She has the same haircut in Indiana Jones that she has in Bernadette. I, I know. <laughs> so great. I love it. But does she have the same weird accent? That's what I want to know. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here are the results. In fifth place, her role as Galadriel in The Lord of the Rings. In fourth place, her Oscar-winning role as Catherine Hepburn in The Aviator. Great. In third place, her first Oscar-nominated role for Elizabeth. Oh, nice. In second place, with a difference of seven votes from first place, is her Oscar-winning role in Woody Allen's Blue Jasmine. Ooh. And in first place, with 84 votes, is her Oscar-nominated role in Todd Haynes' film, Carol. I love Carol. You know, it's so hard Carol's being all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Carol's definitely a stronger film for me than Blue Jasmine is, but I yes. think her performance in Blue Jasmine is just a force. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, and while I would not say Where'd You Go, Bernadette is one of her best performances, it's still a Kate Blanchett performance that is not what I would call a phoned-in performance. She's like actually doing some really interesting things here. Highly, highly recommend checking it out just for her if you're a fan of hers, for sure. I'm Matt, kind of did Talented Mr. Ripley place anywhere? Uh, Talented Mr. Ripley did not get a single vote. Oh, I'm kind well, of I guess no one would say it's number one, but I, I just think she's so terrific in her little bit of screen time there. Oh, everyone is great in that movie. But movies that did get a vote over that, only one vote <laughs> were Babel, uh, Elizabeth the Golden Age, and Where'd You Go, Bernadette? I'm kind of yeah. shocked that I'm not there, didn't make the top five, because that is a brilliant performance. <laughs> I wonder how much of that is because it's underseen. I mean, probably. Yeah. I also yeah. remember this was not a uh, multi-vote. This was a single vote. Mm. Uh, sure. Mm -hmm. I can't so, believe she didn't get nominated in 2008 for Benjamin Button in supporting. Oh, that was such a good movie. Wasn't there that a was category really fraud cute. question about her in lead versus supporting? Isn't that what was the problem? You know what? That, that probably it was, was it. It's it just weird to look 11 also... years later and see her as such a big part of that movie, but not getting in. People mm, were not mostly. as high on her in that movie as they were on Pitt, I think. But yeah, that plus like the de-aging makeup. I think she comes in at like an hour into the movie. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember if she's there for that much, but once she is there, I must I mean, as Kate Blanchett and Brad Pitt, they're gorgeous. Yeah. Love that movie. Yeah. So for this week's poll, we are taking a look at horror comedies 
in anticipation for Ready or Not, which is a lot of fun. Yay. I cannot undersell this. It is a blast of a movie. Got good scares, got lots of gore, got some interesting twists in it. And it just never loses that uh, sense of fun. You know, it's 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 kind of silly at times. And I really, really appreciate that a lot about it. So we're looking at horror films that don't take themselves too, too seriously uh, this week. So a couple of different options here. All right. Um, you can let your imagination soar with some of these in many ways. Uh, we've got what we do in the shadows. We've got zombie land. We got teeth. Uh, we got little shop of horrors. Gremlins. An American Werewolf in London, Shaun of the Dead, Dead Snow, Sliver, uh, Reanimator, Tremors, Scream, Army of Darkness, Get Out, Cabin in the Woods, Evil Dead 2. I mean, like, it never ends. And then think of, like, the B-level stuff, like Krampus or Trick or Treat. Love Krampus. (laughs) So let your imagination soar with this one and let us know. What is your favorite horror comedy? I know that that's like a really odd term to use, but I didn't want to say horror films that don't take themselves so seriously. <laughs> uh, this is this is always a, a fun genre because I think this is like what endears like the horror genre to a lot of people is when it does become a little silly and it knows how to mix like the gore and the scares uh, with those moments of uh, genre from the, you know, from horror, as opposed to something like say, I don't know, like The Exorcist or Hereditary, where it's like really dark and really serious. Mm-hmm. So in terms of like a horror movie that just had a sense of fun about it, what is something that really sticks out to you? Scream. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I, I almost feel like uh, I feel bad for including Scream because I think it's going to run away with this. <laughs> yeah, it should. <laughs> OK, well, I will set up a different argument then. As good as Scream may be, I am going with Young Frankenstein. Ooh. I love Young Frankenstein. Who doesn't love Young Frankenstein? <laughs> I'm serious. Who doesn't love Frank? Who does not love Young Frankenstein? <laughs> I don't feel like the thing is with horror comedies. I feel like they are they're two genres that the, you know try. You have I like ones that are can be scary and have scary moments to them. Like mm. Shaun of the Dead really plays on that zombie trope, and there are generally scary moments in it. I mean, when they're passing in the car and they see the the family being eaten, and you know, but it's mixed in with the comedy there, but. That's what I kind of like because there's a touch of reality still happening. Mm-hmm. But the scenario is, you know, it is a bit silly. I mean, zombies, the undead, you know, it's it's ridiculous. Whereas, I mean, I love Young Frankenstein, but uh, I just see that more as a broader, you know, brushstroke of, of the comedy genre. Well, I mean, this is Michael Schwartz also we're talking here, so... <laughs> <laughs> As soon as I say horror in a poll, Michael, like, goes, like, way off the path, you know? <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. I mean, yeah, yeah. We're, we're all different here, so. Absolutely. They think putting on the Ritz. How could I not? Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> all right, moving on from that. I'm going to do my best to get that out of my memory. And the best way to do that is with a trailer from Greta Gerwig. A movie that's coming around in Christmas this year. It's got film Twitter's Dreamcast. It's called Little Women. Perhaps you've heard of it before. <laughs> Maybe not. But in any event, 
This is the trailer for Greta Gerwig's version of Little Women. Let's take a look at it. I'm working on a novel. It is a story of my life and my sisters. Make it short and spicy. And if the main character is a girl, make sure she's married by the end. Ow, Joe! I want to be an artist in Rome and be the best painter in the world. That's what you want too, isn't it, Joe? To be a famous writer. Yes, but it sounds so crass when she says it. My girls have a way of getting into mischief. Well, so do I. This is Meg, Amy, Beth, and Joe. I intend to make my own way in the world. No one makes their own way. Least of all a woman. You'll need to marry well. But you are not married, aren't you? Well, that's because I'm rich. Joe, would you like to dance with me? I can't because I scorched my dress. And Meg told me to keep still so no one would see it. I have an idea of how we can manage. Joe is a lost cause. So you are your family's hope now. I believe we have some power over who we love. It isn't something that just happens to a person. I think the poets might disagree. We can leave right now. I'll sell stories. Joe. And you, you should be an actress and you should have a life on the stage. Just because my dreams are different than yours doesn't mean they're unimportant. I have loved you ever since I've known you, Joe. I couldn't help it. It would be a disaster if we It wouldn't be a disaster. We'd be miserable. I'd be a perfect saint. I can't. A new play written by Miss Joe March. Women, they have minds and they have souls, as well as just hearts. I want to be great or nothing. And they've got ambition and they've got talent, as well as just beauty. And I'm so sick of people saying that love is just all a woman is fit for. I'm so sick of it. Does she marry? Holy shit. Let's get Sojo that Oscar. <laughs> it looks like even better, possibly, than I had dreamed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are just those trailers and those films. It happens maybe like once a year, maybe if you're picky, every other year, where you're just reminded why you love cinema and why you love film and acting and directing and cinematography and the whole friggin' world. And this is one of them. I was smiling from ear to ear the entire time. And was like, holy shit, she's done it again. It, it was perfect. I It felt surprisingly contemporary mm-hmm. um, for yes. a Little Women adaptation. And like, I really, that's the part that really jumped out to me that I really, really liked was it felt like it was Lady Bird, but as a period yeah. film. And yeah. I, I yeah. genuinely totally. liked that. Totally. And I think that like if if people are going to have a problem with it, that's probably going to be the thing that they pick on. Probably. Like, it's too contemporary. It's too modern. Blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't know. I I kind of love that. <laughs> no, I, I, I like I think this is interesting because, you know, we talk a lot about how uh, there are certain movies that are packaged in a certain way by their trailers to be sold to a mass audience. And I think this is like one of those rare cases where the trailer and maybe even the direction and style that Greta Gerwig is taking it in is trying to appeal to a larger audience outside of that niche period, uh, you know, film, cinema, like loving crowd. 
And I think that it actually doesn't betray what Gerwig is going for in terms of her artistic vision, though, by by trying to package it that way. You know what I'm saying? Unlike, say, like the Harriet trailer this year um, earlier, where we all kind of like said, ah, it looks like the studio is trying to sell this as something that it's not or is it? And it left us a little confused. I got the I got the mixture of both here from the trailer. Yeah, Yeah, and it's not in your face. Like I feel like with Harriet, it could have been like a little in your face. This is the story we're trying to tell. And I think with Little Woman, like even with you know women empowerment and feminism, I don't think it's that in your face. It's just the story, and Gerwig is telling the story, and she's using it. And there's so many films out there, especially now in post Me Too times of era, where the feminism is just so in your face, and it doesn't feel like that Greta is just shoving us her ideals down our throats. I think she's just telling us the story with her mindset and with her vision and it's working. Yeah. And I think that this film is discussing like the themes beyond just what I always thought little women was about, which is these themes of sisterhood about what it means to be a woman and that, you know, you should be able to have the career that you want, but also if you do want to be a person that, gets married, has a family, if that's what you want, then that should be okay. And that dichotomy of feminism is so interesting. Yeah. Emma Watson's line of like, just because my dreams are different than yours doesn't mean that they're not good dreams. Like that completely sold me on this movie and her in that role. Like I, I I love it. I also love love like the whimsy of the production design and the cinematography of like, like when like the brief scenes of showing their little plays or Meg's wedding of just this like mm-hmm. it looks beyond just like a period piece. There's this like I can't describe it besides whimsy, almost fairy tale like. Yeah. And they show it a little bit in the stills that came out in the Vanity Fair article like a month or so ago. Of mm-hmm. just like the way they like the flowers that they use and like the way that like the interior shots with candlelight look, like it has this warmth to it that Ladybird also had that goes beyond just like yeah period piece what I think of Little Women like I was in a play adaptation of Little Women High School like I feel like I had the idea of what this story is and what this should look like and it goes beyond that and I really appreciate that yeah I have to admit that the interiors didn't really wow me especially in the more darkly lit uh scenes I actually thought the cinematography looked pretty murky and ugly but some of these exterior shots though gorgeous yeah and I really really like the overall color scheme that the film is going for it's got kind of a purple pink hue to it it feels like mm-hmm. i i don't know if it was like i i don't know i i gotta go back and maybe rewatch it again to know for sure but there was definitely a distinct visual look with it that um i i had to watch the trailer twice because the first time i saw it i was so excited to watch it and i had like poor <laughs> cellular reception you did the bad thing <laughs> yeah it came in like really pixelated and it was buffering and i just was like trying my best you know like when you're watching and the audio is like really really bad and then when you get a better reception the audio all of a sudden like kicks in and it's like so much better all of a sudden like i was having moments like that and just my overall like first impressions was like uh okay this isn't yeah, the in best the group chat, we were all like oh my god it's amazing and matt's like it's okay i guess and we're like, nah. <laughs> I'm like i went back then and i watched it like on, on a laptop because i also watched the cropped social media version like i said i was watching it on twitter like on my phone which by the way people oh, stop fucking cropping your videos <laughs> all right for instagram and twitter just do yeah, the widescreen so <sighs> It's so, so I'll, I'll frustrating. I'll to come to YouTube. 
Well, anyway, yeah. so I watched the trailer in full and I liked it a lot, lot more this time around. Um, the only thing that uh, obviously I, I'm trying to like mentally prepare myself for and I'm already starting to see a lot of it as I am starting to see a lot of people make comparisons between a star is born last year in like this whole folded arms. Well, let's see like, you know, what like Bradley Cooper last year. Let's see what they're going to do that's different, you know, before we start, you know, proclaiming this as a surefire thing, you know. And um, I, I, I do think that there is already based on the more modern acting and writing that I can get a sense of from this. I can already tell that this is going to be unique and feel like its own thing. Yeah. yeah. I've seen I've seen some comments saying about people who don't uh, who aren't wowed by that sort of use of slang and that, you know, mod- modernist take on it so i feel like this is the film that the majority of us are gonna like and then there's gonna be a a really small minority of people who won't shut up about how much they don't like this film (laughs) and that's that's gonna be fun to sort of deal with well this is very interesting because heading into it we already know the story And we already love this cast. We love Greta Gerwig. I just want to play devil's advocate here for a second. What do you think potentially could be done with this movie to create uh, the opposite effect where majority does not like it? Like it or or uh, like, is this one of those things where literally on paper it's in a can't lose situation? Well, if they set it in space. That might be. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, d- I don't think there's really much. You know, you're gonna. It's it's a book that so many, I suppose, I suppose, a lot of girls have grown up with, and the '90s version of it. We, you know, I watched it, watched a VHS a VHS tape, and, and so many times I wore it out. Um, so I don't think there's anything that you could really do, or you know, drastically do that would, you know, not have have people applauding it, so... Yeah. I mean, like, just remember that I don't think any of the previous, and this has been filmed a lot of times, but none of the previous versions have gotten nominations for Best Picture. So that's, but that's what I was leading up to, right? So if we're all in agreement that this is in a can't-lose situation, that it's going to get a high critical reception... It's going to do very well at the box office. It's got a really good release date for all these different elements to come together. What are we all predicting for right now in terms of its awards? Definitely Saoirse. Mm. Yeah. She yeah. That was my thing away from the trailer. Like, especially of the cast, it's clear. Obviously, she is the lead, but she's given these moments, especially that speech she has about. Oh, God. Yeah. Being portrayed oh, in this way and only thought of this way, which is not in... The book, I was reading an interview yeah. with Gerwig that that's based on a letter that Louisa May Alcott wrote. That, And so, like, it's her words, just not from this specific story. I just think that it's showing everything that she's good at, but in a different way. Showing like, an even, another, even another different American accent that she can use. And, like, <laughs> just giving all of these interesting things. And this would be her fourth nomination mm-hmm. at- how old is she? Like 25? What, 25. The only other person who's done that is Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. like. And she won on the second try. She did. So, like, I think that it's all there for And, like, who doesn't... You know that she'll run the campaign trail and everybody likes her. Like, at least she has that going for her. And then it's the mix of, you know, 
her and Greta. They're a, they're a combo. And you can put Timmy Chalamet in there as well. Like, they love those two together. And he also Even looks Tracy great in Lutz is there. Yeah. yeah. Bob Odenkirk is there. Not in the trailer. Yeah. Um, Chris Cooper as well. Yeah. You know, there was like, there was some people I was like looking for and I'm like, I don't really see them, but that's okay. Cause like this cast is just like Laura Dern, Meryl Streep. And Crazy for the record, ass. I just wanted to just oh throw my, my hands up there and I want to just ask everyone. All right. I said this a while back and I got shit for it. Okay. Because the role of Amy, you all said it was not fit for a nomination. How are we feeling about Florence Pugh people? They are I'm going to walk this back trailer. a little bit, a little bit. I don't know. Because it I... looks like they are playing her up in the trailer, at least. Look, she's a very small part in the book and all the other movies. But if Greta is indeed going for something a little bit different, maybe there is more for her to work with there. So I'll give her the benefit of the doubt for the time being. But let's just wait and see. I don't know. When I, I watched it, I thought Emma Watson was more highlighted than Florence. I agree with that. I really do. But I think Florence Pugh is having a more visible year. Which would be really funny if both her and Scarlett Johansson nabbed because they have Black Widow coming like in a few months after mm-hmm. Oscar Sunday, which would just be what a campaign that would be. Like Marvel would be like, okay, let's start press now, shall we? Yeah. yeah. I also don't know if Emma Watson has completely sold like herself uh to a lot of skeptics out there in terms of her honestly and i don't like i don't want to sound mean when i say this but just her overall acting ability no it's it's really true she hasn't but this could be if this is the movie that turns people around on that then that could be further fuel to her oscar campaign fire yeah i I mean did people think her accent was a bit iffy like, I thought it was fine because she only has one line in it, but I saw all over Twitter people being like, oh, Emma yeah, they came bad American her. accent. They came yeah, but like, I did not see anything that okay. wrong with the yeah, accent. Yeah, I even rewatched it this morning before this, and I was like, I guess like one or two words she says kind of funny, but like, I feel like all of them kind of do. I don't, it didn't bother me that much. None of these girls <laughs> That's are okay. American. It, it is very strange. It's very strange how British of a cast this is for yeah, a quintessentially yeah, American story. Yeah. yeah like, well, this but, is not the original yeah, cast. Australia, Remember, it was yeah. Emma Stone. No, yeah. Mm. Which I kind that would have been too much for me. If Emma Stone was in there, that, this would have, like, that would have, oh, God. Yeah. I would have, her freckles. I could, I. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's weird how we have an Australian, two British actresses, and then an Irish actress playing these yeah. sisters. Yeah. But they're but, great, and I do think it's. Yeah. Kind of funny how, you know, it was supposed to be Emma Watson and La La Land, but then it became Emma Stone, and now it was supposed to be Emma Stone, and now it's Emma Watson. <laughs> yeah. But I do agree that, like, if it was Emma Stone, it would have stolen spotlight and stolen attention a lot. I would just be looking at her a lot. Well, here's where I'm at right now. I'm currently at Greta Gerwig for director, the film and picture, uh, Sarah Polly and Gerwig and screenplay. Because I do think that the uh, jumps back and forth in time uh, with the narrative, I think that that might uh, be something that from an adaptation choice, uh, some people might respect. Like I said, it depends on how it how the story unfolds, you know, and if it really, really guides people along with it and it comes across as something that's more original than anything. It would be but, so cute if Greta and Noah both got nominated and then won in their respective screenplays. I would just find that be the cutest thing ever. Oh, yeah. I want it to happen it so bad. It likely. Like, like, I, it would be so cute. Going back down the list here, um, I have Saoirse Ronan getting in. I do have Florence Pugh getting in. All right, despite what anybody else says. For now, for now. 
Um, I have Alexandra Desplat getting in for score. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I will say, which is not in this trailer, and that is the one thing I don't love about this trailer is the music. But I don't yeah. remember the music mm. in the Ladybird trailer being that like standout-ish. So I'm not, you know, I think it just seems like template trailer music, which is fine. Yeah, because the Ladybird score is very memorable, and that was not in the trailer two years ago. Yeah, or any I music like, the like music, from that. Though. I like this music. Um, I also have it getting in for costume design. Yeah. I have it getting in oh, for. I, think I could win. I have it getting in for production design. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is it for now because I'm just being I'm being conservative. Yeah, sure. My text yet, but like makeup, yeah. cinematography, uh, and editing, I think are all on the table still. But uh, like I'm not writing them off completely yet. Obviously, I, I yeah. need to see the film before I you know can sure. fully I commit. Think six to eight is a nice sweet spot. I, I think yeah. so too. Yeah. I, and I think that I think it was talked about. I don't remember if it was on Twitter, just in our group chat in general. Of you know, supporting actors going weird ways. Ch- it's Chalamet is not out of the question. I'm just and not just beyond like who he is. Sure. I think like it's clear that he is the biggest male role in this, and he's highlighted a lot in the trailer with that big scene with Sersha. So like, mm. I'm not writing it off. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> I don't have him in there, but I don't think it's out of the realm of yeah, possibility. I'll admit, I, I, I am, actually. Okay. I, I am. Uh, uh, yeah, like, I'm not considering it. Until I see the film and if it changes my mind. But until then, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I don't have him in my lineup. I mean, he's a pretty big part of the story. Uh, totally understandable. And, I mean, he showcased yeah. a lot here. And, yes, he has that scene with Sersha, But I, I don't know if, I, and I also understand, like, the, the whole world has, like, Chalamet fever right now. Like, I totally <laughs> get that. But... There's something about – well, let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. When was the last time in a period uh, film like this that had a female uh, protagonist did the male uh, co-star get nominated alongside them? Um, let me look into that. Are we looking supporting or lead? Like I'm thinking – like, like, I, like I think any of them. But I think of stuff like Pride and Prejudice with Keira Knightley. She gets in, you know, and her male co-stars don't. You know what I mean? Yeah, even Titanic, Kate Winslet got in, but Leo didn't. Right. Well, I don't think that's something wrong. they actively keep in mind as they're voting. Of course not. I'm just saying that I don't know oh, if... Oh, here, the, the last station. Yeah, that was, but that, that was like a le- legend, two legendary <laughs> yeah, actors, you know? Uh-huh. I think, but see, my mindset is either... Oh, like, for at the moment, I only have Sersha getting in because it seems like that's the standout performance. You're not wrong with the Florence Pugh prediction. I don't think that's wrong, but I think that... I don't know. I think also like Chalamet being like the, you know, he's like he's the, the one big male face. role in it, and that can yeah. stand out beyond just being him. Also, I, I let's put it this, yeah. So I don't know. I just can't get over how he just doesn't look like he belongs in the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> like, he still looks like he's in twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen, and I'm like, dude. <laughs> maybe maybe there's gonna be a twist where it's time travel related. Then you know, that's, that's <laughs> what like, they've done. To make it the fresh. And hey, I'm listen, we're going to get a double like, dosage of period Chalamet this year with uh, also the King uh, premiering yeah. at Dennis, uh, where he's playing King Henry V. So. Yeah, with his bowl cut. We shall see. We shall see. And that's part of it, too. I just don't know if he himself as an actor fits well into this period. That's fair. I agree, because he just doesn't look like he belongs. I mean, and maybe that's what's fueling my skepticism about him go- going along. Now, I will say this. If Little Women turns out to be this insane nomination beast of like 11 nominations or something like that, then I could see, you know, Chalamet coming along for the ride. Yeah. 
don't yeah. think it's gonna even going to be that either. I think we're looking at somewhere, you know, high single digits, but still under 10, doing respectable. Yeah. And we could consider him someone in contention, but not exactly, you know, number one with a bullet. Yeah, I think he's in like that second to third tier. Sure. All right. So let's take it home with some final fan questions and we'll get on out of here. Uh, this one comes from HLVD Movies. Losing the Sky has been announced for the Toronto International Film Festival. What do we think about Natalie Portman's chances in Best Actress? Uh, a very nice person. <laughs> if we hear that the movie is better than what we have been led to believe, then I think she stands a chance. But otherwise... Uh... I think she's just working on Thor right now. Yeah. And that's where I'm at with her, too. We've already moved on to the next thing, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this one comes from Daniel Brilliant. What do you believe is the reason for Luce's poor box office performance? Poor there are a couple factors there. I think the first thing, first and foremost, is the yeah. title. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. No one knows what Luce is. You know, and if you read about the movie, you know that it's his name. But uh, yeah, no one's going to just go see a movie called Luce unless they know a little bit more about it. It's coming out through Neon, which is not exactly... You know, heavy hitter just yet. I know they might do better come Oscar season, but it's August. They haven't rolled it out in the best possible way. Yeah. Something like Searchlight or Sending mm-hmm. Classics would. It's finding, you know, people who love it, obviously, but it's not hitting the way that it could have with another studio. You, you know, Michael, what you said about the title, I think is so, so important. Um, it's why I kind of brought up on Twitter recently this question of, hey, name a movie title that explains its plot in the title. And so, like, Lucy in the Sky, you know it's about Lucy, and you know she's going to be in the sky. Or Ben is back. It's about Ben, and he's back. <laughs> you know, like, like these titles that tell you exactly, like, what the movie is, basically. Uh, Ford v. Ferrari. We know it's about Ford, and he's going to take on Ferrari. Uh, you know? The Ten Commandments. Little Women, uh, I, you know, little. it's tough because they're not, you know, they're Damn not girls. little. We're, we're not Fumbelina, <laughs> you know, over here. But <laughs> I'm just saying, though, that Loose, you do hear that, and you're like, Loose, like, not L-O-O-S-E. What? Like, what is this? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, my mom keeps going, like, she goes, L- like, she, like, doesn't know how it's pronounced. Like, she's just like, what? <laughs> Luce. <laughs> what, Luce? <laughs> yeah, What's that movie? It's like a foreign art film. The marketing is such an important thing, especially with little movies, and they just didn't market and they didn't promote it. And I want to just say, for the record, I'm really, really happy to see that Harriet, um, a beautiful day in the neighborhood, little women, uh, because this was something that came up a lot last year. Films directed by women got little to no marketing from the studios. I think this year we are seeing uh, films directed by women get very substantial marketing pushes. And I also think even with tinier ones like The Farewell, for example, I think A24 has done a very, very commendable and respectful job with getting that film out there to as many people as possible. And it's still performing very well. The movie is doing really well. So Mm -hmm. I, I have to say, like, you know, for... Lynn Ramsey, Deborah Granick, and a few others who all missed out last year because the studios just failed them, completely failed them. And like, you know, film Twitter and critics were the ones that were trying to keep it in the conversation, but they just didn't have any, you know, they didn't have any yeah, confidence yeah, you at can't all. And just have a successful film by word of mouth as your sole marketing. Right. Tool. Yeah. You it's need the, the studio to push it. I yep. think what's also helpful this year is we're having 
like you said, with Harriet and Little Women and Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, these are big movies being directed by women. Like they're right. about important people or things that people already know. Like the Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood trailer went borderline viral. Yep. Like there was like BuzzFeed articles and like people I knew from high school sharing it. And like, adult, like it went because it's about a subject matter that's like going beyond that. So like we're having from the studio level of women being able to direct these projects that that's helping out too. Uh, Andrew Purr asks, do you think Ford v. Ferrari has any Oscar prospects such as another nomination for Christian Bale or Matt Damon? I think Christian Bale is a lot more likely. Always in contention. Yeah, you can never <laughs> underestimate Bale. If Bale's in an Oscar contender and that's not like a summer blockbuster or something like that, like a Terminator or a Batman, like you need to consider Bale. <laughs> you just yeah. need to. They're obviously so eager to give him a second one. They just are waiting for the right time to do it. I agree. And you know what? I think he's one of our best actors, like, mm-hmm. probably yeah. ever. <laughs> and I think he would be very, very deserving the same way that Kate Blanchett got a second. Uh, Francis McDormand got a second. I think I think Christian Bale has definitely earned the right to have a second. He will one day. Yeah. This is also one of my favorite posters of the films coming out for the rest of the year. I just it's a, a very sleek, nice poster. If you haven't mm. seen it, I like it. Ooh. OK, here's a good one. Alexa Loves on Twitter asks. What documentaries this year have you all enjoyed the most? Apollo 11. Mm. Yep. I've been bad with documentaries this year. I feel like I'm going to have like what Matt did last year of like having a full documentary binge at the end of the year. I yeah. do it every year. Only, although this year I, I am doing a little bit better. I'm doing a little bit better this year. I've seen, uh, I, I just watched The Great Hack recently on Ooh. Netflix. Oh, I heard that was good. Yeah, it really, really was. Um, I know American Factory comes out uh, next week on Netflix, and I highly recommend everybody checks that one out. I've seen that one. Um, But yeah, I would say the two biggies for me are still Maiden and Apollo 11. Apollo 11 more on the technical side, Maiden more on the emotional story side. Um, Maiden is by far my favorite documentary I've seen this year, though, so far. There's one that's premiering at the Fall Film Festival. It's called The Cave. and that's I've heard of this, yeah. That is... Probably going to be your Oscar contender, maybe even winner right there. Mm. Uh, I was just going to say One Child Nation is definitely one that uh, I want people to seek out, but it's really hard to watch. Like, um, yeah, I had tears streaming down my cheeks. It was, you know, really, really hard to watch. But also um, another one that I called at the Sheffield Documentary Film Festival, which is called uh, For Summer, um, which is a really good one. So, I think uh, that's going to break in also. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but seeing both of those films, like one after the other, broke me. Oh, God, so. I bet. <laughs> the one that uh, comes out next week, or actually this coming Friday, which I'm sure will end up somewhere on my best of the year list, is uh, Fiddler, A Miracle of Miracles. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh because this is just a. a complete michael schwartz thing (laughs) and also a movie that explains exactly what it's about in its title there you go (laughs) um i also want to give a shout out Uh, cody derrick's wrote a piece about this on the website he really wanted to capitalize on the fact that it's currently playing in theaters uh honeyland uh that's a really really good one that i also have uh seen that i really really highly recommend people check out so there's a there's a couple different ones we have the mike wallace is here documentary as well I haven't seen that one yet, though. You know, like I said, I Doc is like one of those things where I, 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 you know, maybe I'm just a bad cinephile for this, but I tend to watch the, you know, 10 or whatever it is 
that are like vying for that Oscar nomination as we get closer to the end of the year. And it's just easier for me that way. And, you know, by that point, a lot of them are maybe streaming. Uh, And as a result, I can watch them at home. Um, If they're playing in theaters like Free Solo was last year, um, I'll go and check them out then in that instance, you know. But it's hard to find documentaries in theaters, especially when you don't live in a big city. Yeah, Which is why you all got to move to New York or L.A. (laughs) There's a lot showing in Philly. I will. I'm bad on that front about seeing them. Can I also just say for the record, um, this whole New York, L.A. thing really quickly. um, I had no idea that Blinded by the Light got released in over 2000 theaters this week. And it tanked. I I understand that it tanked, but I do want to just throw this out there that in this day and age where streaming is starting to really take over and a lot of stuff is now obviously going directly to uh, stuff at home. It wouldn't be such a bad idea if the release model for movies changed where fewer films were released, but they were all just released wide. I Yeah, I think you have to release wide if you want people to see it anymore. The platform release it just doesn't work or it works in I, very I totally very rare disagree. situations think, like the farewell it yeah, the works farewell but the farewell is that kind of movie where people are going to tell other people about it you have something that and that and that has like it has a really wide appeal it has a really big hook and it has a hook to a specific community and that's when a platform release can work but as we've seen time and again with these independent films i mean loose is a perfect example it just doesn't work anymore it's also mid august for a movie you know that needed a bit of a boost but i have uh, two words for you one title two words green book <laughs> That $350 million. But did that really platform? Absolutely. It started in 17 theaters and went to 65 slowly and slowly over the course of three months, built up until it was nationwide. They did the Silver Linings Playbook thing and it paid off in spades. And to be fair, that's award season time, whereas I think, you know, the platform release, not in that time period, you know, specifically in the summer can get tricky. Yeah, I mean, that had all the hype going for it when it did that platform release. All right. Well, we'll see which films continue to perform well, uh, which films do not. But I do think that there is something to be said for a film that, like Blinded by the Light, that maybe should have been released as a platform release. Uh, the fact that it went wide. I, like, it warmed my heart to see so many people seeing it right away. Because mm-hmm. how often do we see, especially like when we post a trailer for something or a review and everybody's like, oh, I don't get the chance to see it now for like three weeks. Yeah. And so I, I just feel for those people, you know, and yeah. there's no guarantee that it will go wide and go to their area. You know what I mean? Yeah. At, at the same time, both Blinded by the Light and Where Do You Go Bernadette, I mentioned at the top of the show, I hope to catch up with both of them this week. But at the same time, it's like 95 degrees here in Philadelphia. Even though the theaters are air conditioned, it still involves getting in the car and driving and, you know, making it. Try getting in the subway, Michael. I'm fiddling the (laughs) smallest violin for you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The point is, had they been on Netflix, I would have seen both of them already. Yeah, same. I I could say that. I'm the exact opposite way. If you dump something on Netflix, I won't see it for like. A long time because there yeah. is so much to see there. Yeah. Whereas if it's in the theaters, I know I want to see it. I'm going to make a point to go out and see it. It might be a New York thing, Dan, because I am the exact same way. If I know it's on Netflix, my my brain says I'll get to it eventually. But if yeah, it comes out in the theater, the water there. 
I got to get to the theater. Like, I got to mm-hmm. see it, you know? So, interesting. All right, everyone. Let's call it a wrap here. Michael, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at mschwartz95. And also, I just want to extend happy birthday wishes to our friend Ryan Showers. Yes. I did happy birthday to Casey Clark, who was Yes. Yay. All the birthdays. <laughs> Woo. Casey, where can they find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find my Blinded by the Light fan account uh, at Casey Lee Clark on Twitter. Bianca Gardner, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me over at Twitter at the film underscore B. Also, Bianca, tell everybody what you got going on also. Um, well, I've got my, um, hopefully launching my own podcast soon. Well, not hopefully, I am going to be launching my own podcast soon. And that will be all about female filmmakers and is uh, called In Their Own League. And potentially a website as well. So I'm going to be busy. (laughs) We are very, very excited for you. We cannot wait for the official launch of that. I'm sure there will be some uh, crossover uh, that we hope to definitely help promote on our end for you. So congratulations, Bianca. We look forward to it. Oh, thanks. (laughs) All right. Also, Lauren, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter, freaking out over a portrait of a lady on fire at Lauren Lamango. And Dan Bear, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter, prepping for covering TIFF at Dance and Dan on Film. And you can find me on Twitter, prepping to cover Telluride at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 156 of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really, really appreciate your feedback and your support. You can also lend that support by going over to Patreon for $1 minimum a month. You'll get some exclusive podcast content, including our 2015 review of Carol, which should be dropping in a few days' time. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time.